Let me tell you this before I get started. Um, by the time we're done tonight, you're going to realize that this message uh, ties right into the series that we just finished. Uh, for those of you that were not here for that series, you need to go online and listen to the past four weeks on Wednesday nights. Um, because um, honestly, uh, that series was prophetic because there are so many people that are dealing with mental issues right now, dealing with anxiety, dealing with emotional uh, upheaval. Um, we need to be prepared for that kind of stuff, okay? Again, we are faith people, amen? Amen. We're people, we're Holy Ghost people. Yes. And in being faith people and Holy Ghost people, we also know that God prepares us for the things that are coming ahead. Yes. And I don't, as a practice, don't like to preach or teach gloom and doom stuff. But when you put things in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming back, uh, it's not gloom and doom. In fact, we're told to comfort each other with these words. So... Um, Understand that things don't get better from here. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are going to get affected. But we're going to see some things. And if you're not careful, as you see the world collapsing around us, because this world has to pass away. Okay? And, and thank God, in his mercy, it doesn't happen like this. It happens gradually. Uh, just like, you remember when the Israelites, um, when they left Egypt, it should have only been like a 10-day trip. It took them 40 years, but, but even before that, God said, listen, I can't take you the, the easy way. I, I got to take you this other way here, because you, if I take you in there too fast, the battles are going to discourage you. The hardships are going to discourage you. So he allowed them to possess the land a little bit at a time. Of course, they didn't help the situation with their doubt and unbelief, but God does it sometimes. So what we're seeing, and, and please listen to me. Uh, hear my heart when I'm talking about this. I believe that God wants us to be prepared so that when things, as they continue to collapse, that we're steadfast, we're immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because there are people around us that we're going to need. In fact, we should be doing that already, encouraging them, saying, listen, and, and not patty-caking things like, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, everything's not going to be okay. This world is passing away. And, and the, the, the next dispensation of man's uh, time with God is, is breaking in on us. And it, it, as that comes, this world has to go. It's got to go. The world system has to go. It's, it's not a godly system. It's, it's an ungodly system. It has to be released from this earth so that God's kingdom can come and take his place. Amen. So we're living in that transition age. And when you're living in transitional ages, and you see this all throughout the scriptures, um, when you're living in a transitional age, things can get crazy. Okay? And that's where we are right now. We're in, we're in the middle of a transition. And uh, that's why you're seeing the things that you're seeing happen in the world. That's why you're seeing things, and, and many times, you know, we're already done saying, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Because we've seen so many things that we thought could never happen, happen. And you get over that, and now it's like, oh, okay, well, what else is new, you know? Um, and I could stand here tonight and go through a whole bunch of current events. So I'm not going to do that. It's just things are breaking down, okay? The world system is breaking down. You got to understand something, okay? You have a desperate, desperate enemy who knows that his time is short and is clutching at straws to hold on to his kingdom but his kingdom has to fall. And with his kingdom is the world system of the people that have decided to not sell out to God, but to sell out to the devil. And that's what you're seeing happening before your eyes. Okay, so we're living in a very prophetic time. So what I want to talk about tonight, and uh, I, I think we, we could finish this tonight, is practical steps to freedom. Now, don't make the mistake like the Pharisees made when Jesus accused them of being slaves to sin, and they said, we're not slaves to anybody. You know, we're, we're, we're uh, followers of Moses. And he pretty much said to them, if you were a follower of Moses, you would have followed me. Okay? And God is our father. And he said, well, if God was your father, you would know who I was. 
don't make that mistake because we're going to talk about uh, part of what we're going to talk about tonight is about deception. And deception is extremely dangerous. I remember one time there was a young man uh, that worked for us many, many years ago. And in fact, he was the very first person that I witnessed to. I got born again on a Wednesday night, went to work the next day. He was one of my dishwashers. For those of you who don't know, we used to be in the food business. And so this young man, who was like a little brother to me, he was like the first person that I uh, witnessed to got born again, okay? And uh, so that relationship went on for many, many years. And then eventually, at some point, he moved on in life and disappeared out of the area. And um, I remember one particular time. Now, this is about 15 years after we knew each other uh, and he, when he was a young man. He was about 19 at the time, and I was probably like 20, well, 27, 28. So, uh, so, so he, he disappears. And at one point, one day, the Lord put this young man on my heart so strong. And I, I remember going into intercession, just prayers, like spirit-led prayers. You know what I'm saying? Just, and I was praying for him, crying for this guy, praying and praying and praying. And I said this. I, this came out of my mouth. Father, I pray that every scripture he ever learned, every teaching he ever sat under, everything that God has ever, everything that you've ever done for him, I pray, Father, that it will come back to his remembrance in just one shot. About a week later, I get a phone call from this kid. Hadn't talked to him in over a decade. And he said, now, I didn't get a chance to tell him anything. He said, I was sitting at the table with my girlfriend, and we're having dinner. He said, and all of a sudden, every scripture that I, every teaching that, he goes, I sat here and just poured everything out of my girlfriend. We recommitted our lives to the Lord. And it's just like that, Okay. So about two years went by, he gets married to this young lady. And then she calls me up one day, and they're living in Florida at the time. She calls me up one day, and she said, listen, you've got to talk to so-and-so, talk to my husband. I said, what's going on? She's going out of his mind, doing crazy stuff, stuff that's that not good if you want to stay married, okay? So I call him at his, at his workplace, and I said to him, don't you realize you're deceived? And he says to me, well, if I realized I was deceived, I wouldn't be deceived. I said, you're absolutely right. You just taught me a great lesson. You see what I'm talking about? Say, well, I know people like that. I have people like that in my family. Well, don't do what I did. Don't tell them they're deceived. Because if they knew they were deceived, they wouldn't be deceived. Pray for them. Speak the word of God over them about clarity coming to their mind, that God would grant unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of God, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of his calling on their life. Amen? Amen? So let's, let's just jump in. You guys ready? So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read to you from the NIV translation for this particular scripture anyway. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, what's he saying? Once you get free, stand firm. Stand firm. Now, now, see, in order to stand firm, you have to have a foundation. Amen? In order to stand firm, you have to have a foundation. You cannot stand firm on sand. You cannot stand firm if you're on one of those, uh, what are the, those boards that they go in the water with and they stand there and paddle? What do you call that? Duh. Paddle board. <laughs> it's extremely difficult to stand firm. Yes or no? Yes. Why? Because you don't have a firm foundation that what's underneath you can shift and change at any given moment. You have to have a foundation if you're going to stand firm. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke it's not an egg yoke. It's talking about a yoke, a device that you would put two animals together, okay, tied together, all right, working together. He said, stand firm then. Do not let yourselves. Do not let yourselves. So in other words, you have a choice. I have a choice. We can either choose to let ourselves get dragged back into some type of slavery, or we can choose to stand firm, resist, and watch the enemy flee. Amen? Amen. Do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So we're, this is what we're talking about. This message is, is specifically for believers, okay? For those that are born again, that's what the scripture is addressing here. 
You see, if you're not born again yet, you can't go back into a yoke of slavery because you're already in slavery. It's only those that come out of slavery that can be tempted to go back in. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, go ahead and say it with me. You will be free indeed. Indeed, in fact. Now, the common thread throughout the gospel is this concept of freedom. Paul wrote to the Galatian church. He said, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. In other words, Jesus didn't go to the cross for no reason at all. Jesus went to the cross to free us out from underneath this curse of sin. And so the idea, uh, the idea is of not being controlled by sin, by the flesh, and unresolved wounds. I'm going to say it again because I want you to understand that these are the three main ways that we get sucked back into some type of slavery, okay? By sin in all of its forms, okay? The flesh, this constant desire to feed our flesh, the constant desire to feel good, to satisfy desire, and unresolved wounds. Now, unresolved wounds, I think, is extremely important because usually we don't connect that with sin because when you have an unresolved wound, you usually have come to the conclusion or have chosen to believe that you are 100% guiltless and somebody hurt you. And because somebody hurt you, you now have permission to go out now and satisfy the flesh and get involved in sin. And that is a trap that the enemy uses over and over in people. You know, you don't feel good. Somebody did this to you. Or you're feeling down. Go, you fill in the blanks. Okay, anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have to get, like, graphic? Because it could, I mean, there's a big range there. It can go from eating a whole half gallon of chocolate ice cream to really delving into degenerate behavior. And many times, many times, the devil will convince an individual who does not have a firm foundation, and they get sucked back into some form of slavery. Amen? So there's so many people who are not free, so many people who are bound by so many different issues. Now, the question I want you to consider tonight, because this, what we're talking about tonight, is either going to become a, a lifestyle or it's not going to become a lifestyle. Well, one way or the other, you're going to develop a lifestyle. It's either going to be a develop, you're either going to develop as a Christian, you're either going to develop a lifestyle of forming f- firm foundations, or you're going to develop a lifestyle of constantly falling, constantly having to get up again, constantly going through cycles, constantly having to ask God for forgiveness, constantly having to go through all that guilt and condemnation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, let me ask you this question. How many more people need to OD before we start developing some firm foundations? I'm tired of hearing It's almost every week now. This person, that person, my cousin, my brother-in-law, my coworker, my whatever. How many more people are going to need to be institutionalized? How many more are going to need to take their lives before we start digging into the word? It's that serious. Aren't you glad you came here tonight? It's that serious. We like to be frivolous and be like light about things, but let's be honest with each other. I'm tired of hearing about parents that have to bury their kids. I'm tired of hearing about somebody who at one point had their act together in God and were useful in the kingdom of God, and now all of a sudden, well, so-and-so had to be, they had to go into a clinic, they had to go away, they had to go... How many more times do we need? How many more times are we going to go to funerals because somebody took their life? Because they got trapped again in some type of bondage, slavery. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. I want to read to you from the Amplified Version. And honestly, I want to flip it. I want to, I want to flip the, the order of the sentence. Is that the Amplified Version? Uh, Leave it. I like this one better. He who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Now watch. Beware that you don't minimize this because we don't usually live in cities surrounded by walls anymore. You listening? But in ancient times... You had to have a wall around your city. Why? Enemies, animals, 
You, you, need to, you need to be in a protect. That's why even up until 500 years ago, most cities, especially in Europe, were built around a castle. Why? Because if the enemy's coming, where do you run? Inside the castle. What does the castle have? Strong walls. That's your protection. Okay? And, and, and honestly, it tells us in, in Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Okay, it's, it provides a place of safety for us. So what it's saying here is a person who has no rule of his own spirit, has not developed any type of resistance, has not developed any type of uh, pattern of discipline, is going to be like a city with no walls. What's a city with no walls like? Anything can come in and anything can go out. There's no stability, there's no security, there's no safety. You're living constantly in fear. You're open to every influence, open to every enemy, open to every animal. And the scriptures tell us that's what a person's life is like when they don't develop a firm foundation. They're like a city with no walls. Do you know anybody like that? So, I believe that one of the scariest verses of Scripture is found in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15. I know you, this is Jesus speaking to the church at Laodicea, I believe it is. Yeah, it is. I know your deeds, deeds, deeds. He said, I know your deeds. What are deeds? Action, right? Something that you do. Something that you get your hands involved with, okay? It's physical activity that you... I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We always love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> when was the last time you heard anybody teach on this? No, everybody's teaching about how God's unconditional love and God's grace. No, Jesus said, I'll spit you out. Now watch this now. Again, do you remember recently me talking about a, a lot about God being very practical? Okay, the reason why he's using the, the phraseology he's used, and the reason why he's using the illustration he's used, because this city sat on these lukewarm springs. If you wanted to get a decent drink of water, you had to go to another region. Their water tasted like sulfur. It was always lukewarm. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have hot or cold. Okay, there's no 7 Elevens. You can go buy a bag of ice. Just stinky, sulfuric, lukewarm yuck. And so when he said, I'd rather have you hot or cold, and because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of your mouth, they understood exactly what he was talking about. Okay? So because you say, now watch this now. We talked about how dangerous deception is. Okay? And he's addressing an entire church in an entire region. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and, no, and have no need of anything, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus said, you think you got your act together. But I know the truth. You might look like on the outside that everything is cool. You may look like on the outside you've got it going. Okay? You have no need for anything. But I know the true condition. He said, go back. And you do not know. You do not know. Just like that young man said to me, if I knew I was deceived, I wouldn't be deceived. You listening to me? Deception is dangerous. Now watch this now. Been around for a few years. Been around church for a few years. I have met plenty of people who would rather stay deceived than to make changes in life. Dangerous. Dangerous. Especially when that individual is the head of a household. Because now you've got entire generations now that are going to be raised up thinking this is normal. And it's not normal. Okay, notice, eh, don't tell me anything. Eh, 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 eh. I don't want to know. Don't we think that God knows? Jesus, thank, now watch this now. Because you see, we're not used to seeing this side of Jesus. We like to... Many times people don't see the harsh side. 
But how many of you know, or maybe don't know yet, that love is tough? And this is tough love. He's saying to them, you got this picture of yourself like you got it all going on. But I know the truth. Wretched. Wretched. Oh, my God. To be called wretched. Miserable. Poor. Now he's talking about spiritually. Blind and naked. That's, this is a bad condition. Keep going. I advise you to buy from me. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to make available to you the stuff that you can only get by being in relationship with me, not doing the deeds, but being intimate in relationship with him. Okay? Buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe clothe yourself. You getting this? Listen, every single one of us better pray that we're not living a life that we think is okay only to find out at some point in time Jesus is going, you think you got it all in a bag of Fritos, but this is where you're really at. Now watch that now. I want to hear that now. I don't want to hear that when I'm standing in front of him. Because as long as we're breathing, we could still what? Change. But once we're out of this body, that's it for eternity. Aren't you glad you came out on a Wednesday night? Verse 18, can we go back to that? Give me the rest of it. Go go back, we got to put it in context. I advise you to buy from me. He's talking to a whole church. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. In other words, gold that's been tried and tested and pure. Pure. So that you may become rich in spiritual things and have white garments so that you may clothe yourself with righteousness. Okay, next verse. Next part of it. And the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. God's not looking to expose us. God's looking to transform us. But if we don't yield to the transformation now, we will have to be exposed in eternity. And eye salve that you may, that you, that to apply to your eyes that you may see. Okay, in other words, I'm going to give you the ability to see through the deception, to see the stuff that you've tolerated, the things that are going on. So I don't expect this to be a cheering message tonight. I'm just going to keep throwing it out there because I know this is sobering. Okay, but if we're going to be full gospel, 100% preaching the word people, then we can't just preach John 3.16. We got to preach Revelation chapter 3 also. Because this is just as anointed as John 3, 16. Okay? We need to have salve so that our eyes will see. Is there more or is that it? Oh, here it is. Those whom I love, I what? Rebuke and discipline. Therefore be... What is zealous? Excited, passionate, determined, on fire for what? To repent. Repent. He's not telling us we're going to hell. He's just saying, look, you're not living the life. I know inside you're not living the life that you're projecting on the outside. So I'm giving you time. I'm giving you time. And he'll give you time if you put your heart right. I remember Rick Renner doing a teaching. If you don't know who he is, go look him up. One of the best Bible teachers in the world. Rick Renner. His ministry is located in Moscow, Russia. Okay, originally from the United States. He talks about what Jesus looks like in the book of Revelation. And he talks about his feet looking like bronze in the fire. Now, this is what he's saying. I'm just repeating it. You go look it up. He said the reason why Jesus is portrayed with these bronze feet and bronze legs is because bronze is very extremely heavy and it means he's moving very slowly towards judgment. You listening? He's not running to judge us. 
He's moving very slowly to put us, to give us the time that we need to repent. And I don't care who you are sitting here tonight, there's going to be at least one thing inside of you that you're going to need to repent from. What does repent mean? To turn around and go in a different direction. There's some of us that need to change our mind. Stop this. And let me tell you something. You know how self-deception starts? This is how it starts. I know the Bible says this, but this is what I believe. Honey, you're setting yourself up for disaster. First of all, it's a rebellious attitude. It's not an attitude of submission. It's an attitude of rebellion. In other words, God of the universe sets up this this whole pattern of life for us, tells us in, in black and white, in writing, what he wants for our lives. And we go, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but this is what I believe. Who cares what you believe? So what is repentance? Change the belief system that you've set up in your head that is contrary to the word of God. Because God's not going to go, well, I guess you didn't understand what I was saying. I know you developed kind of your own belief system. And, you know, I want you to be true to yourself. No, it ain't going to go that way, honey. Okay? Okay? You listening? Because there's too many of us that have settled into these patterns. And some people have entertained demons by saying, I know this is what the Bible says, but you know, love is love, so this is the direction I'm going. So we love each other, this is the direction I'm going. So I wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on, so this is the direction I'm going. Do I have to get any more? So this is, I know the Bible says I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, Pastor, I had somebody tell me this, I didn't want them to smack them. You know, Pastor, you don't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. So, so that's what this person is to you, a pair of shoes? Hallelujah, I am so glad I came to church on Wednesday night. Deception is dangerous. Self-deception is deadly. And I'm telling you, if you're going to survive the days that are coming up in the future, you and I are going to have to stick to the Word of God, walk by the Word of God, start giving up on some of the stupid things that we've set up in our heads as our own philosophies, because those things are not going to stand. Amen. So, freedom from life-controlling habits starts with this number one step. It's facing reality. I'm going to read you a quote from a gentleman who knows a little bit about the things of God. His name is Rick Warren. If not to God, you will surrender to the opinions or expectations of others. I'm going to read that one again. In other words, if you don't submit and you don't surrender to God, you're going to submit and surrender to somebody or to something. If not to God, you will surrender to the opinions or expectations of others. To money, listen to this one, to resentment, to fear, or to your own pride, lusts, or ego. We live our lives submitted to something. Every one of us, a person is born again, not born again. Every individual that's ever been born, every person that's on the planet right now, lives in submission to something. We're created that way. Say, well, I thought we were created for freedom. Yeah, but the only freedom comes is when we're submitted to God. Everything else that we submit our lives to besides God always amounts to slavery. And always, always will result in slavery. Yes. You want to be free, there is a way. All right. You were designed to worship God. And if you fail to worship him, you will create other idols to give your life to. You are free to choose what you surrender to, but you are not free from the consequences of that choice. Amen. You listening? Yes. Serious stuff, right? Yes. But it's the mercy of God. So, steps to freedom, we're talking about tonight. Planning for victory. Most people plan for failure, but they don't plan for victory. Most people have in the back of their head plan B, plan C, plan D, whatever. But most human beings do not form a plan for victory. 
It's like if we stumble upon it, we're like, oh, this is, this is gravy. This is nice. No, we're created for victory. Amen. We're created for victory. Amen. Our lives were not supposed to be one cycle after another, going from one failure to another, stumbling into one pit after another. We were created to be overcomers. Amen. And we have a part to play. And he's given us the tools. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Get a plan for victory. Now look, we have a little story here, a very short incident that's recorded in the Gospels. But it says so much. Because you see, we're going to see that this lady had a plan to do something after her situation turned around. If you don't have a plan before, when you look, look at me. Every one of us are in this situation right now. One of these three situations. You're either heading into a time of turmoil, a time of challenge, or you're right in the middle of it, or you're on the way out of it. That's life, honey. Pastor, when do we get a break? No, you don't get a break. You get a break when we get to heaven. By the time you get a break, you're going to be in a box surrounded by flowers. That's when the break starts. You listen, are you guys listening to me? Life is all, this is what it is. Now, thank God we're going through it with Jesus. But everybody on the planet right now is either going into a situation, a very difficult situation, in the middle of a very difficult situation, or on the way out of another difficult situation on the way out of another difficult situation, getting ready to go back into a different situation. Because how many times people say, when is it going to stop? doesn't stop. When's it going to get easier? doesn't get easier. But you'll get more equipped. How many of you could attest tonight that the stuff that you're going through right now would have killed you years ago? You would have never made it. Never made it, right? But what happened? You did make it. Why? Because you picked up what you needed in the last attack to equip you for the next one. Now, that's up to you. Look, life is not easy for any of us, but I'm determined. If I'm going to go through stuff, I want to come out on the other side with at least a certificate of completion. I really want to come out with the gold on the other side. You see what I'm saying? But look, I'm coming out with something. I'm either going to come out with somebody's head or I'm going to come out with an education. You're listening to me? Because you see, when you, go, but when you go through the attacks in life like that, you go, come on, come on. You want a piece of me? Come on. Because what I'm going to pick up when I, when I trance you, I'm going to pick up what so-and-so needs. I'm going to pick up what, what, what I'm going to pick up whatever. I'm going to pick up the anointing to deal with this situation in somebody else's life. Amen. You, we need an incentive. Otherwise, we just roll, just fall over and go, just, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Go ahead, devil. Just roll over me. Shut up and get up and start fighting. Don't you dare roll over and play dead. You're not a possum. And most possums end up as what? Roadkill. You don't roll over and just play dead like the devil. If I play dead, the devil's going to leave me alone. No, he's going to step all over you. And use you as a trophy. Are you getting anything tonight? Luke chapter 4 verse 38. Just two verses of scripture. But man is this power packed. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon Peter. Okay. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. And it left. And what did she do? She got up at once and began to wait on them. She got up at once. She didn't have to lay there and go, what should I do now that I'm better? She had a plan. Look, let's look into this a little bit. Don't just take this at face value. Jesus is coming to her house. Don't you think she knew better? She's a mother-in-law. She knows everything that's going on in the house. So she knows Jesus is coming. She probably had an idea. Man, 
I'm going to make, I heard he likes this dish and that dish and that dessert. She probably had the idea, I'm going to do all this stuff because after, after the synagogue service is over, he's good because Peter's house was right next to the synagogue in Capernaum, right on the waterfront. So when Peter was out that night fishing and caught nothing, guess who's looking in the window? You got it. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, left, and she got up at once and did what? Began to wait on them. She had a plan. And a plan will give you the incentive to resist the devil and to fight. Because she knows, as long as I got this fever, I can't make him his favorite dish. As long as I got this fever, I can't make him feel special. And I want to make, she had a plan. Turn to somebody say she had a plan. Okay, and here's what I've seen in 25 years of pastoring and 38 years as a Christian. Most people, let me turn around. Most people that deal with life-controlling issues, most people that deal with recovery don't have a plan of how they're going to live their life after they get set free, so there's no incentive to fight. Do I need to repeat it? How many amens can I get? We have been created as people of vision. And without a vision, people perish. You have to have something to look forward to on the other side of that battle. Or you will always be in the battle. Why? Because you will not rally yourself from the inside. Because you don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. Mark chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 5. She had a plan of what she was going to do with her freedom. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. A lot of scripture to read here. You going to stay with me? Yes. You learning anything tonight? Yes. They, the disciples and Jesus, went across the lake to the region of the, those people. <laughs> when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, that's usually talking about sexual stuff, Okay, that's usually, if you look it up the original language, it's usually talking about sexual, some type of sexual bondage, okay? A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now watch this now. As much as this spirit's got a hold of him, it couldn't stop him from running for Jesus. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I'm not even going to ask the question because we think this cutting thing is a new stuff, new thing. When he saw Jesus from a distance, look at this. Don't say, I don't have it, Pastor. I just can't resist. I don't. When this thing comes on me, I just can't resist. No, look at this. With as much as demonic power that was holding this guy back, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he did what? He, he, the person, not the spirit, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. That goes to show you that, he, now this guy's not born again. Nobody's born again yet. And he, but he still had enough within him in his human will and his soul. He still had enough to be able to not, and you could, you know darn well that spirit's going, don't do it, don't do it, don't worship him, don't run to him. But he still had the ability to run to Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice. Now, he here is not the person, he here is the spirit using the man's voice, okay? He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Now, that can't be the guy because the guy ran to Jesus. If the man wanted to be away from Jesus, he wouldn't have ran to Jesus. This is the devil that's in him. That's speaking. Jesus knows. But Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Next verse. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, 
That means there's a lot of devils in there. Hundreds. Hundreds. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. You guys know the story. But let's see. The demons, see? The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Why? Because demonic spirits need, need something. They need a host to manifest themselves through. Now, hear me clearly, because I'm going I'm to make a comparison here. If you don't hear me clearly, you're going to walk out here thinking that I just blasphemed. The Holy Spirit operates the same way. The Holy Spirit cannot manifest himself on the earth except to a person. If Jesus did not yield himself to the Holy Spirit in his ministry, you would have never known there was a Holy Spirit. All throughout the first covenant, all right? All throughout the first covenant, prophets had to be used for the Holy Spirit to speak through and to write things down. This is how the spirit realm operates. Are you listening? You're either going to yield yourself. Like, remember, remember Rick Warren said? You're going to worship something. You're going to submit yourself to something. You're either going to submit yourself to God and be used by the Holy Spirit, or, or you're going to submit yourself to the enemy and be used by the enemy. You getting this? Because yes. no, some of you look at me like, you're getting this. Jesus had to take on a body to come and manifest himself on the earth. Are you, are you following me? It wasn't just a cute little baby in Bethlehem. No, he had to be born into the earth just like every other human being. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out of the guy and went into the pigs and the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now watch this now. Something just hit me. There's pigs where this person is. So this man strayed out of the area that he should have stayed in because if he had stayed in the area where the Jews were, where they were under the word of God, he may not have attracted these type of demons. So what are you talking about, Pastor? There's pigs where this guy is. So he cannot be where there's Jews. He strayed out of his territory and strayed into a territory that was probably very ungodly to begin with. And they probably worshipped every kind of sexual demon idol. And that's how stuff came on him. You need to be aware of where you're hanging out. You need to be aware of who you're hanging out with. Are you listening to me? Those sending the pigs right off reported to the town, the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Of course, they got the attention. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, Watch it. And they were afraid. When I got born again, my mother came to me after, after a couple of months and said to me, uh, uh, you got me really worried. I got you worried. You got me really worried. I, I've never seen you like this. I said, now you're worried? When I was home before I got married and I would go into three-day depressions and never come out of my room, that didn't worry you. Now you're worried. You see what happens in human nature? And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Okay? Then the people began to plead. Look at this. They began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Not, not the devils to leave the region. Because so you're going to come in contact with people that are very, very comfortable with their devils. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, what did he do? Begged to go with him. Why? Because he must have had a plan all along and said, if I ever get free. Well, pastor, how could you assume you wanted to get free? Because he ran to Jesus as soon as he saw Jesus get out of the boat. If this guy had, did not have a desire to get free, he would have ran to Jesus as soon as Jesus' foot stepped on the, on the sand. He would have stayed in his cave. 
Do you see this? Or am I stretching anything here? No, you got to look beyond the scripture. You got to look beyond what's being, and just it's just common sense. This man had a desire to get free, and that's why the Holy Spirit led Jesus to that area. And he probably was the type of person like you and I. God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll never do this again. I'll give you my life. I'll do. That's exactly what I did on April the third, April the second. Excuse me, April the second, nineteen eighty-four, in the in the husband's waiting room while my wife was getting ready to deliver my son Michael. Quarter to twelve. He was born on April the third at two thirty-six in the morning. At quarter to twelve, I'm in the father's waiting room while they're getting her prepped. And thank God there was nobody in there. I get on my knees in the Father's waiting room, and I say, God, if you're real, if you will take care of this baby, because we had lost one just before him, if you will take care of this child, and if this child comes out healthy, I give my life to you, and you can do whatever you want with it. I didn't think he was going to take me up on it. (laughs) But watch this now. What happened? I had a plan. Deep, deep in my heart, I had a plan. I don't want to continue living the way I was living. You see what I'm saying? He met that need. He met that, just like he met that need with this person. Go back. And as Jesus is getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Why? I don't want to stay with these crazy people. I'm not part of them anymore. But what happened? Go ahead. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And some of us that have had so much mercy poured out on our lives, we just picked it up and just kept going on with life. You may not have had a plan, He had a plan. And some of us, I know because I talk from experience, I spent many years after I got saved frustrated, frustrated. Still no peace. Why? Because I wasn't following the plan. But once you follow the plan, every devil in hell could show up on your your doorstep. Every... Every... Every demonic thing, it doesn't shake you. Things don't go the way you think they're going to go. They don't shake you. Why? Because you're in the plan. But if you're not in the plan, yeah, you're going to heaven. You might look a little beat up when you get there, but you're going to heaven. Well, that's good enough for me, Pastor. Really? Wow, that's selfish. See, because in the plan, there's people that you're supposed to impact. In the plan... There may be an entire region that you're supposed to affect. It may be just one person. But if you don't let him open, uh, operate the plan in you and through you, those needs will never be met in that other place. He'll have to raise somebody else up. You getting this? Yes. Honey, if you have a question, I'll talk to you after service, all right? You getting this? Yes. You got to have a plan. Amen. A plan for when you succeed. We all have those plan B and plan C and everything else in the back of our head. Well, if this doesn't work, well, I'm probably not going to, well, this probably ain't going to happen. Well, this probably is not going to work for me. Or probably, this is the one, I'll probably never be free in that area. That's exactly what the enemy wants to hear you say. Exactly, because he'll go yes and amen. And you'll manifest that. What's your plan? What are you going to do if Jesus was completely set you free tonight from every little thing that has bothered you? What would you do? Would you even know what to do? Because, you know, some people are so used to living in that chaotic state, they don't even have a vision. They lost the picture years ago. And I pray to God, I'm going to have to wrap this up. We'll have to finish this next week. Is that okay? Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you can think of at least one or two people that should have been here tonight to hear this? Let me see your hands. 
Are you, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do? No, seriously. What are you going to do? Because now you've got to have a plan for these individuals. Are you going to contact them and tell them, listen, you need to come with me next Wednesday night? All right, no, 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 no I'm serious. Because they're going to have an opportunity to get free. And if you decide, uh, I can't be bothered. Really? And some of the people that you raised your hand are very close to you. So for your own sake, for your own sanity, you need to get those people here so you don't have to keep putting up with their garbage. (laughs) Pastor, my husband's crazy. Get him here next week. My wife's great. Get her here next week. My girlfriend's carrying all kinds of baggage. Get her here next week. Well, I don't have a magic wand. No, that's what most Christians think, that you, you know, the pastor has a magic wand. No, God doesn't even have a magic wand. The power is in the word. And the word is no good on a piece of paper. It's got to get in your heart. So, Stop being an enabler. Oh. Stop being an enabler. Because if you have an answer for somebody's situation and you can't be bothered to reach out to them and say, I'll come and pick you up if I have to, you're an enabler. Don't go complaining. Don't ask me for handkerchiefs to pray over them. Go get the person and bring them here. Okay. Go do it. Don't sit here looking at me. We'll pick up here next week. But listen to me. Listen to me. You better bring somebody next week. Because this could prove for them to be completely, not just life-changing, but eternal destiny changing. And you have the ability to help them. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not... I'll see you next week with somebody sitting next to you.